you are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit Win, Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global marketing lead at Win by night and product manager and university level faculty by day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Win Win Podcast. This year has just started, but really it feels like so much has already happened, both for the better and for the worse. In some ways, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and exciting initiatives that are taking place. Specifically to us, Win is soon to celebrate five years of existence, which is really crazy to think about. Because when Maria Petrosian and Alfia Elichavez started this organization, they were two women in an innovation consultancy, really trying to figure out how to solve for a lot of these gender inequalities that they were seeing around them. And fast forward five years, their reach is across three main global chapters. There are members across the world, a really awesome podcast, if I say so myself, hundreds of programming that has been deployed, and really meaningful change in our industry as a result. In early 2020, we launched a branding effort in partnership with Character, this design agency, and the conclusion that they came to as far as what Win visually represents is this combination of yellow and gray and a bit of black. It was really an ode to some of those visual elements to do with yellow as a suffragette color, and then also as the color of post-it notes, a tool that innovators use in collaborative environments. We focused on gray as a way to contrast, but also to amplify the yellow. And very recently, we saw that Pantone named gray and yellow as the colors of 2021. What was really awesome was the way that they cited the same line of reasoning when it came to yellow as the color of innovation, especially in the combination with a gray. Looking at the decision maker behind the Pantone color of the year, we found Lee Leatrice Eisman, who is the executive director of the Pantone Color Institute and founder of the Eisman Center for Color Information and Training. She has every accolade that you can dream of. She has authored 10 books on colors, and she has international seminars and teaches hundreds of students. And she's also the color consultant for every major company and startup you can think of. So this notion of women and women in innovation is really central to the story here. Lee hugely determines the colors in which we perceive our favorite brands and products, and there is so much value with that perspective being a diverse one. So of course, we have to have her on the Win-Win podcast. If you are interested in enrolling in one of our courses, they are now online, and an incredible one going on is color and design master course, which is really an all-encompassing as far as including things like the business of color as well as color systems and other proprietary sources of knowledge that Lee brings with her 35 plus years as the international color guru. As always, we will be linking ways for you to access these courses and connect with Lee in our description and across socials. Today is really a mini masterclass about color, and I'm so inspired and honored after my conversation with Lee. I'm excited for you all to hear and learn from it too, and as always, please reach out if you have any feedback or additional questions about our guests or the podcast. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. I'm delighted to be here. 
We're delighted to have you. So I'm very much excited to talk all things innovation and hear all about your career as executive director of the Pantone Color Institute and founder of the Eisman Center for Color Information and Training. Something so serendipitous is that our conversation actually started when I saw that you had chosen illuminating an ultimate gray, a combination of yellow and gray as the Pantone colors of 2021, which also happened to be the colors of Win Women in Innovation. So my first question is, how did you go about choosing the two colors and why is 2021 the year for them? Well, we always look at the zeitgeist, uh, if you will, of what is going on in the world around us. And there was no way not to acknowledge uh, something that was far more serious than we'd ever had in the past. And we felt it was necessary to evoke the symbolism of two colors that are very much, you know, can stand on their own. But when you put them together, when you create a marriage between the two, then you're taking the psychological impact of the illuminating yellow, which to all people all over the world represents hope and forward thinking. Um, it is a color that is um, one that seems to be almost like the light at the end of the tunnel. And Absolutely. we certainly felt that that was uh, an important message. And of course, gray is the color that is most emblematic of that which is always there for us. It's grounded, it's solid, it's resilient. So if you take those two primary thoughts and you put them together, we have the resilience, something to stand firmly on. At the same time, we're hopeful for new, better times in the future. And then last year, the color you chose was classic blue, which was a single color. Was there a big weight to the decision of going from choosing just one color for a year to then two? Well, it, we have done this before. We did it once before where we chose a um, serenity blue and a, and a quartz rose because at that particular time, uh, lots of people were talking about wellness issues, not that that's gone away. But there was a lot of conversation that was out there. So we felt we needed two soft colors to support each other. And they were also, um, it was sort of a suggestion of not being gender specific, that um, pink could very well be used by men. And women have always gotten the usage of blue, so that was not really an issue. But this year, uh, we really felt for 21, it was important to have two supportive colors that also connote a connection. And at this time, again, the challenge is staying connected to each other um, in such a, a challenging time. Absolutely. So many people, including myself, would say that you have the absolute dream job, but you've been doing it for 35 plus years. Yes. How did you get your start in being the international guru of color globally? Well, you know, all love of color starts in your childhood. And I think anybody that's listening to this uh, agrees with that. It's just that you seem to know that you have this affinity for color and, uh, and working with it brings you great joy. Um, and I think a lot of women in particular don't realize that if this is your passion, you can find a career in color. When I started out, it was not an easy thing to do. There really was no training that was available other than taking color theory classes or art classes. But that really didn't lead me down the path of finding out why color was so important to people, the psychology of color. 
And so I determined uh, really at a very early time in my life that I was going to learn more about how color made you feel, uh, not only the way it looked and, you know, and, and the aesthetics of color, but also the feelings that are engendered by color. And so I determined um, I had gone to school. I had gotten my degree at Antioch. I went back to school to UCLA, did some advanced work. And I was fortunate enough to be able to take a program that was a counseling specialist program. And the mentor that I had at UCLA was a woman who was um, very much interested in usage of color. And she allowed me to do a practicum on color. So I put it together for myself with the approval of my uh, advisors and my mentors. And uh, I was able to create this course of study that I have since then um, put together and used um, as a program that I have taught in person. And now we have just gone online with it. So to get back to your original question, uh, color is something that is a passion for most people, but many times they don't know that there is more out there to learn about and they don't know where to go. And for me, that's the most important thing in my career, helping others, particularly women um, who have this ability, um, know it, feel it, and yet don't know where to go with it, where to take it. Well, I think what's also so amazing about your career is because you're one of the pioneers of of kind of this area of expertise that you've developed into other areas. You've written over nine books. You've developed all these courses. How would you say you keep on innovating within your own career uh, as you go along? Well, color is a never-ending subject. I mean, anyone who has studied color knows that it's not just a question of learning the color wheel and certain basic tenets. But as times change, we know that feelings about color can change. For many years, I've done a color word association study that I require all of my students to take. And for people who've read uh, my books, often it's included in the book, which helps to give you more insight into the way that you feel about color, uh, the outgrowth of, of your feelings, how to utilize that. Um, I think for me, the challenge always is if I have a new client uh, who needs consulting on color, no matter what the industry is, because we serve all industries, all industries are involved in color in some way or another. We have to investigate what those colors mean. What is the inherent message that's behind those colors? And it is a constant learning process because, as I said, times change. Uh, an example I can give you is that I remember a time when brown, heaven forbid, was never used for after five. Oh, was, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was only a daytime color. And it was um, kind of a color that was associated with earth and, and, you know, all those wonderful things. And it still is, except that we had a big swing change in the 90s when Starbucks, I call it the Starbucks phenomenon, Mm. Uh, came up with uh, coffee shops on every other corner. Um, it also evolved into um, a films or another area that we look at to see where the influence comes from. The movie Chocolat was a big hit, uh, especially among creative people. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody could now buy Godiva chocolate even in the drugstore. So it wasn't just for the elite anymore. And uh, there was even a company that came out with brown diamonds and uh, Michael Kors had the temerity to show brown sequins 
or after five on the runway in New York, and it was quite gorgeous. So all of these things seemed to convene at about the same time, which has really changed the perspective of Brown. It's not just about earth and country anymore, but it can also be very sophisticated. So as a colorist, you have to stay on top of how the times can change a perception of a color. Right. And I think the other part that's so interesting is really the connection to business. Color is one of the major reasons for product purchase. It is attributed to more than 60% of the purchase decision. So you've mentioned all the cross-functional ways that you explore color, but why do you believe that color is such an agent of change and an agent of innovation for companies? Well, I think that, you know, I can remember the time when I I was doing a a job uh, on um, cell phones and um, there wasn't a woman in the room. They were all men sitting there with crossed arms. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I could tell the body language was telling me that they did not believe that color had absolutely anything to do with the purchase of a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was my job to convince them that color is important, that even though people may not register it overtly, Still, if they go into a car showroom or they're buying a widget in the marketplace, you know, on a supermarket shelf, you may not be overtly aware that the color is appealing or not appealing. And yet it is an inherent part of the decision making process. So for me, it's been um, an educational process and educating would be clients. Uh, And now, of course, so many more companies understand that color is so intrinsically tied to purchase decisions. At one time, um, I had um, a big hurdle to overcome in convincing people of that. Today, there are more and more companies who absolutely get it and understand that color is so vital. And for me as a color consultant, of course, that's important that I don't have to go in and prove my worth anymore. It is Mm -hmm. acknowledged that color is important. And again, we go back to the psychological and emotional meanings behind color. This is what I hammer into my students all the time, because not a lot of people don't understand the importance of the psychology. So it is an integral part of what I teach. Right. And as you know, we're a podcast that features and discusses women and specifically understanding how we can get more women to be in meaningful positions of innovation, such as the one that you are in yourself. Color specifically is a woman-led industry. You mentioned about being in a room full of men. Why do you think, though, color is a woman-led industry? Well, I think if you go back in time, I mean, even from the earliest beginnings, you know, the the hunter-gatherers, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, little girls have always gone shopping with their mamas. They've, you know, picked out dolls and the doll clothes, and they've done things that involve the usage of color. Um, Even as teenagers, you know, they start to look at nail polishes and lipsticks and, you know, all all sorts of things that boys are just not that exposed to. Um, So I'm not saying that there is, uh, you know, there is lacking talent as far as men are. There are many, many talented people. But I think that women, by and large, have had a a bigger opportunity. Uh, It is more of a natural proclivity to go to uh, color, to understand color and to utilize it. Uh, Therefore, I think the opportunities are even greater in the world of business because you don't have to prove that because you're a woman, um, you know, or a man, you know, either of the sexes that you're better Mm -hmm. at anything. But it is just sort of a given that women have that advantage in this field. 
But obviously being on the other side, helping hundreds of businesses, startups and Fortune 500s, you're obviously dealing with both genders. And, and again, a lot of the times predominantly male industries on that business side. So how have you overcome any of those challenges that perhaps stem from gender? Well, I do use my Color Word Association study a lot. And I have gone to some of the toughest CEOs uh, of big companies who will look at something that I'm proposing and they say, no, no, we can't use, let's say, purple. Uh, And then I'll question them about why purple. I just don't like the color. Um, It's hard to sometimes convince people who don't understand where that's coming from. So then you have to be a color therapist and you Mm. have to find out why he or she is objecting to this particular color. And the message that I have to give all the time is you have to divorce the personal likes and dislikes from the professional likes and dislikes. And um, that is how I've managed to overcome it. And many times they will take the color study and we can have a conversation about it. And invariably they'll find out that it is something that is buried deep in their psyches, might have (laughs) happened in their childhood. You know, their first bicycle that they wanted and prayed for was finally delivered. They took a ride on it, fell off, broke their leg and couldn't go outside and play with the other kids. So the color that they loved and revered and wanted and wished for then turned into something that was very negative and they lodged that in their memory bank. And so I have to convince them that 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 is something that's not relative anymore. If this particular object that you are producing in my best advice and counsel should be a purple color backed up with my reasonings behind it, uh, then they can see that they've got to overcome their personal prejudices. And for the most part, they do. It's just that nobody's ever explained it to them before. They've never used a color consultant, so they, they don't have that knowledge. And that is very much a part of what a career in color does, is to impart the knowledge to you so that you, in turn, can impart it to your clients. Right. And I think because color is so ubiquitous, I'm sure many people think that they're color experts, but unlike you, they don't have the years of studies and knowledge to actually to actually back that up. I am really curious about this whole dilemma of, oh, pink girls, blue boys. I'm sure that there's a lot of baggage where that comes from. So what are your thoughts or experiences with attributing certain colors with gender? And do you have any sort of opinions on that? Well, I think that most of what people learn about color, other than what is inherently um, physiological, when I say inherently physiological, uh, the best example I can give you, anyone who blushes easily knows that you have no control. Are you one of them? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm blushing as we speak. (laughs) Well, that's a physiological reaction. Um, That is something that might excite you. You see the object of your affection walk by, you know, whatever it is that's exciting, or maybe that red blouse that you've been hankering for, and it's on sale, right? Right. Um, So it it brings some color to the face. Um, That's physiological, and we have no control over that. However, other aspects of color, particularly what we call associational, are largely learned. The best example I can give, because everybody can relate to this, is the beautiful blue sky. Uh, You're very small. You have your nose pressed against the window. It's been raining all week. um, And now the sun is breaking through. The sky is a beautiful blue. The clouds have dispersed. And mommy says, 
oh, we can go outside and play today. Look at that beautiful blue sky. Isn't that a lovely sky? All kinds of positive comments. Or it may be that you have blue eyes and every time you wear something blue, you get a warm fuzzy from somebody who says, oh, that's a great color on you. Or you wish you had blue eyes and you're actually born with brown eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even for brown eyes, there there are some wonderful colors that are possible too. However, we learn these associations. Sometimes they're passed on culturally. Um, if grandma says, no, you should never put red and black together because in, in her culture, that was not um, a combination that was used. It's passed on to you and you haven't reached the age where you start to question it. Well, why not red and black? I love the way that looks together. Right. Um, so as I said, associational and much of the association is attuned to nature. Um, the colors that most people around the world will associate with nature And I have developed a color concept called the color clock, which does examine how colors appear in nature. And we all, as humans, have a certain physiologically on the outside, on our face, aesthetically, we have a certain set of colors based on our hair, skin, and eyes. And so uh, there is a color time that, that works well for you. But that's another theory of color. Uh, But it does show that how nature and association are so intrinsically involved. I do teach a program on color and image as well, which is online, because I think this is a fascinating area where people don't really think about what colors work well for them, why they relate to certain colors better than others. Uh, And I do think it's something you can learn. Many people know it almost instinctively. But as I tell all the students in my classes, when you learn more about color, it's also about validation. You may instinctively know this, or perhaps you have learned it in the past. But when someone else shows you the reasons why, validates it, that, that's what helps to give you confidence to, to move ahead. And so when you are working with all the different companies and ventures that you work with, do you think that there is a point of, uh, you know, product or brand development that is most effective uh, for consideration of color, like in the stages of the development? Well, I think that you've got to create a rationale that really makes sense. Uh, And I know that if you are an artistic person, a creative person, and many people involved in color are, of course, it's got to go beyond the, this is a beautiful color and doesn't that look good? Uh, There needs to be the substantiation. And when you're dealing with people in business in particular, uh, it's lovely to talk about the aesthetics, but you also have to create a rationale as to why else you believe in that color the emotional impact, how it's going to appear in the marketplace, who is your target audience, all of these things have to go into it. And not the least of which, what is their competition doing? What colors are they using? Because you don't want to mimic the competition for sure. So there are a lot of considerations in advising uh, a company as to what colors to choose. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting. Companies that have really utilized color from the beginning of their inceptions have done some really powerful things about it. Some yellow companies I'm thinking of are like SoulCycle and Drybar. You really connect that bright yellow with them and uh, you can tell it wasn't an afterthought. So so definitely seeing that a lot. Mm-hmm. When you think about the color industry as a whole, what are some innovations within the industry that have affected your work and how you approach it? 
Well, I think I have to certainly give Apple credit because uh, going back into the mid-90s, I did have a PR firm come to me uh, and said that they had a big computer company. It wasn't Apple at the time. Um, and they were trying to convince them that computers should be colors. Now, this is, this is prior to the iMac. Mm -hmm. uh, and they came to me and they said, you know what? We need to pull out the big guns. We need you to help support us in this. And I said, you're talking to a colorist. Of course, I want to see color <laughs> computers. I was right on board. And um, I came up with a color that I felt would be non-gender specific. I thought it would work well in most offices. It wasn't an offensive color at all. Um, I thought it was a perfect color and they absolutely believed in it too. We presented it to the client, took them six months to make up their mind. They came back to us after six months and they said, we've decided that nobody's going to buy a colored computer. That's um, ridiculous. So, you know, down the tubes it went. And I said to these people, and it was in Portland, uh, the, the uh, design firm, I said, you know what? It's an idea whose time has come. Somebody is going to come out with colored computers. And within three or four months after that, Apple released the iMac, which took the world by storm. Nobody had ever done colors in computers before. And it was a fabulous job that they did. Now, even though at that particular time, Apple's didn't outsell other PCs, the point is, it gained them so much attention, and Absolutely. it started this bandwagon of color where, you know, staplers on your desk were all see-through colors. I mean, every other object that you would find, sunglasses imitated the iMac colors. Uh, it really started to involve people in understanding uh, it took a big company like that. And for me, it was, you know, it was great because it kind of justified where I had been even before that. Right. And uh, it was a huge help in, in opening up people's awareness. Is there a color that you are particularly drawn to, a favorite color that you have? Well, you know, I, it sounds like I'm kind of weaseling out of the answer, but I'm not. <laughs> um, a colorist really can't have a favorite color that you are so drawn to that it's going to uh, sway your mind in making choices for a client. I don't believe, in, in my mind, I don't think of any color as an ugly color. Mm -hmm. I think it's all about the context, where and how you're using the color. What are you combining it with? So as a colorist, it's my challenge to uh, put the colors together in a pleasing way. We rarely use color solo. I mean, we don't dress in everything one color head to toe. When we decorate our homes, we're using more than one color. So it's all a question of how you use the colors together and, and what that messaging eventually is as a result of that combination. Something that comes to mind is how so many companies have changed their logos and their color schemes to, to black and white. What are your thoughts about it as somebody whose day-to-day -day is all about color? Well, I won't say that it's a, a poor decision because I need to know the context. I need to know who the company is, who their target audience is. I mean, black and white might be absolutely right for them. Mm -hmm. But today we find that even if you were to choose black and white, if you were um, putting an ad up online, uh, putting a printed piece out, you would probably have uh, other points of color that you would use along with the black and white. Therefore, the black and white becomes a background. Uh, to other colors that you are using along with the black and white. What I don't advise is that you, any company, 
uh, would go ahead and use something new and abandon the old uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of newness. Because if you've built up some brand equity with those colors that you have, often it's much smarter to take those brand equity colors and skew them slightly or add another point of color to them, change one of the colors out, not both of the colors. Again, you've got to look at all ramifications of why that change is being done. And you don't do change just for change's sake. There's got to be good, solid reasons behind it. Completely. And I think we see that in innovation uh, industries across, you know, if you are going to break all the rules, you better have a really good reason to do so. Exactly. So I'd love to end today's podcast with a question that we ask all of our guests, and it's kind of a big one, uh, which is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? Oh, wow. Okay. One month from now. Well, you know, we're all kind of facing (laughs) uncertainty (laughs) right now. However, I will say, because color forecasting is a big part of, of what I do and what I teach. I think that one month from now, we're going to be going into March. We, ha- we are hopeful again, uh, as our colors of the year say. But I think we're going to look forward to bringing more color into our lives to help to open the world up, to bring that blue sky back uh, again over our heads. Uh, so I think in one month, we're going to look forward to looking at new spring colors and looking at what pops out of the earth and, and get encouraged by that. A year from now, hopefully, um, some degree of normalcy will be back again so that we can then enjoy uh, color even more so than we are now. And I would tell you that 10 years from now, uh, I think that we're going to see things happening with color that we never dreamed we could do. And that is simply because of technological changes and how they're coming about. Uh, research that's being done on color and how it can overcome, in some cases, color blindness and and other areas that will enable people to see color much more clearly uh, than they ever have before. So I think the 10 years from now is something that uh, is really looking forward to, as well as a month or a year from now, as long as it's colorful. I love that. What a beautiful way to end the podcast. Lee, we will be sharing all the details of your courses and where our listeners can reach you. But thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.